Hi everyone. This month we've got Ed Burbridge and he's the CEO of INM Burbridge Capital. Uh, we're honored to have him as usual. And so thank you for joining us, Ed. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, so we're going to start off with getting to know you and getting to know a bit about you, although I know that you're very well known in the market, so <laughs> no worries from that end. But you studied accounting. Um, how did you know you wanted to be in financial services? Why accounting, etc.? Yeah, okay. So actually, um, I studied, well, I did economics as one of my A-levels, but then yeah. I went to uni. I focused more on politics and French, believe okay. it or not. All right. And then I Parlez-vous got... français? Oui, je parle français. C'est très oui. bien. Oui. Hey, I like your accent as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try. That's probably the hardest bit, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, but I kind of got bored of that and got just sort of floated into doing some accounting and tax modules okay. mm -hmm. and I found it so much more interested. I love the sort of binary nature of it, you know, that you're either right or you're wrong. Yeah. Unlike politics. Um, and so that really got me realizing that I was much more interested in that. And then my first job was working in the city as a fund manager and I did my CFA, which I actually love miles more than any other Academics the, the, the accounting I've done part, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's a lot of accounting, financial statement analysis, and um, investment, valuation, securities analysis. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. 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 So, very deep mathematical and statistical Yeah, financial analysis, maths, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. how did you get into your first job? What was it like being in the city? I don't know what years we're talking. Are we talking early yeah. 2000s? <laughs> I'm pretty old. So <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, early 2000s, basically. Mm -hmm. 2002, I think it was. Yeah. I got my first job. Where was it? Um, for one of the reasonably big UK stockbrokers called yeah. Tilney. Okay. Um, which then got bought by Deutsche Bank, Deutsche okay. Private Wealth. Mm -hmm. um, so I was initially, I worked on a fund of hedge funds. Okay. Um, and then I um, was a senior analyst on a credit fund, basically buying um, European government bonds yeah. and high rated, highly rated um corporate bonds and what was it like being in the city at that time have you ever watched um industry yes industry. i what love do, it what do you think yeah but it's really hard to get here it's um well, I, so BBC i play i think yeah. yeah can you get that here i didn't know you that can. you could well let's not talk very about useful that for me already <laughs> yeah. maybe not quite so much for your listeners yeah no i like that and i love suits i bet you watch that suits, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah was it like that was it like similar um, cutthroat well, no, I mean, it's quite cutthroat. I then, so I started in fund management, right, which I didn't really enjoy. I found it quite boring, to yeah. be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. It's on the, on the buy side, certainly in the part that I was in anyway, it's basically a lot of people looking over each other's shoulders and trying to see what the competition are doing. You have to slightly outperform the competition yeah. on your performance every month. So it was away from the fundamentals and more looking at what everyone else was doing, yeah. which I didn't really like. And then I always loved selling. Um, and so I moved into investment banking after yeah. that. It took me a while, but that was what I really wanted to do and what yeah. I always loved. Mm -hmm. And so I worked in investment banking in London for a decade. And that's, it didn't feel that cutthroat to me. I mean, I wasn't a trader. You know, we had the investment banking division and then we had the trading division, the yeah. research and the brokers. Yeah. And the traders, it must have been very high pressure for them. I mean, sometimes they lost a, a lot of money. money sometimes yeah. they lost so much money, it undid every, all of the revenue wow. that we'd earned mm -hmm. in the other divisions <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the bank. Mm -hmm. um, was that still for Deutsche Bank then? No, no, no. That was uh, Arbuthnot. 
securities okay. right. uh, was the last investment banking firm I worked for in the UK. It's sort of mid mid cap okay. advisory business. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. when you when you say investment bank from that side of the business, what was it looking at? Deal structuring? Was it looking at the target businesses and how to what what would the best structure to invest in or what was what was the actual meat and bones of the work then? Yeah, basically exactly what we do now at INM yeah. Burbage Capital. So mm-hmm. structuring, um, and raising capital or yeah. selling businesses, yeah. basically. Yeah. And how did you end up in Kenya then? Yeah, good question. <laughs> um, so I'd worked in the city for long enough. You know, I the, I felt like I had enough qualifications and experience to do it on my own. I mean, we I was part of a really, happily part of a really successful team at Arbuthnot um, with, you know, some really, really capable people. And yeah. I learned so much. And we were closing another deal every two weeks. It was unbelievable, actually. Were the deals in Europe um, or they were European-based? Yes. Well, basically international companies listing on the London Stock Exchange. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so quite a few of them were African. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that gave me a sort of a taste of my interest in Africa, yeah, yeah. I suppose. But anyway, so I felt like I had enough experience and a, good, a strong enough CV to come out here and give it a go. And so Why I, here, though, out of everywhere that you could have gone? I think I was just most interested in Africa, you know. I always loved investment banking, always. Yeah. Like from day one, I almost couldn't believe that somebody would pay me to do that. Yeah. Maybe that, I hope my employer's not listening. <laughs> you do not employed anymore, are well, you? kind yet? of, actually. Um, but, you know, I always absolutely loved investment banking, corporate finance, but I was really bored of being in London, in the city, and everybody looks the same, everyone does the same job. I found it really tedious, yeah. but I love the investment banking itself. So I wanted to move to somewhere much more interesting and it's definitely much more interesting well, here. Also yeah. higher risk and, you know, all that sort of stuff, but it's yeah. rarely boring. And so when um, you came to Kenya, you set up uh, Burbage Capital immediately? More or less. I yeah. mean, before I even resigned, actually, I flew out for two weeks and did a recce, picked up a client that wanted to raise money. Really? Already? In two yeah. weeks? Yeah, who I felt that I could help. Mm. I mean, in the nicest possible way, I think one of the attractions and one of the sort of ongoing advantages here have been the competition is not quite so well Cut developed, well, shall we well, say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I it's think quite it's getting, varied here. But it's getting know. there now. Oh, more a, and more, I think. Uh, I, I, I don't feel it that much, okay. actually. For various reasons. You know, there's always sort of things happening and um, for quite a lot of detailed reasons. Um, it's nothing like it was in London yeah. where, you know, you could just you could walk into any of 50 investment banks and get the same kind of quality, probably, of advice well, that's and, true. Maybe that's true. and capital mm-hmm. raising mm-hmm. abilities, basically. Oh. Yeah. So you came here for two weeks. You did a recce. You found a client already. And yeah, then sorry. You came back thanks and for getting me back on <laughs> track. <Yeah. laughs> and then you established Burbridge <laughs> so, uh, Capital. Yeah, so then I found a client that I was happy with. And so I flew back and resigned yeah. and flew out, you know. And then I was single then. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. So, and did so you I not could do know that anyone kind of in Kenya? One person. I had one contact. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a good I one. I mean, that's really brave. <laughs> I, yeah, and foolish. You know, I, in, yeah, in hindsight, yeah. it was absurdly foolish, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have the responsibilities then yeah. that I have now, and so I could do it. So yeah. I did. Uh, I've always been sort of somewhat impulsive and followed my instinct on yeah. things. Um, and that was definitely an example of that. But so, yeah, so I flew out here straight away, started working, and... Actually, I'd intended to go on to Zambia. Yeah. 
you know, where there's a lot of agriculture and resource yeah. financing to be done. And mining, and then, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's quite a lot of the stuff I did in London was mining, okay. natural resources, mining, yeah. energy, etc. Yeah. So that was why Zambia appealed to me. And then I was going to go on to South Africa after that. But yeah. I never got to either. I never left Kenya. It, it was just so much opportunity, mm. evidently, here. And it's such a lovely place to be as well. Was it very easy for you to set up and, and get clients very easy? Was it plain sailing? Were there choppy waters? What was like kind of the hardest type of experiences you had when you first set up? I think I was very young and very overconfident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought it was going to be a piece of cake. Yeah. I sort of thought I'd be the chap who came in from London and everyone would give me their once deals you, Once to you're do. from London, it's golden, right? <laughs> That's what I thought, yeah. But it wasn't like that at yeah. all, mm -hmm. actually. Um, people here, I still think this is the case, and it's yeah. an advantage now, mm -hmm. is people want a tangible track record yeah. here. They, need to, they want to know you and to be able to kind of touch your business and have friends who've you've who've worked used, with. Yeah, yeah, recommendations. They don't trust, stuff. Yeah. you mm -hmm. know, anybody. Mm -hmm. And I can understand why that is, mm -hmm. you know, given the number of sort of um, not so competent people who may have put themselves out there yeah. here and all that mm -hmm. sort of thing. So actually, it was way harder than I expected um, and took me a lot longer to get established in the market. Here. And what yeah. was it like you're selling? What was your pitch to people? What was your proposition? Did, is it something that they already understood and just needed to refine? Or is it something that you needed to explain to them um, the basis of how you could help them in their businesses? Um, yeah, I mean, I think initially I focused a lot on equity capital. Yeah and public capital markets yeah. right i mean mm -hmm. i came from london where there were there's a, a very very vibrant small and mid cap um capital raising avenue through the public capital markets yeah. mm -hmm. and i'd seen that being really successful and i thought you know part of what i would bring would be yeah. helping to develop the public capital markets here getting more ipos that kind of thing yeah and i spent a lot of time and a lot of money on that yeah to begin with and you know it got pretty tight yeah. because I had to spend so much on it and hire really expensive people. Um, and it took me four or five years for the penny to drop that that's unfortunately not really where the action is. Yeah. Why doesn't it work um, in, in, this, in this country? Here. Oh, how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> About 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, there's so many reasons. Mm -hmm. But in order to cut the chase and try and give you an answer... I think above all, it's cultural, actually. Yeah. I just don't think that company owners really want to be in the limelight here. They want to be on the front pages of the newspaper, having everyone know how much they earn yeah. um, and how much profit or not, or not profit they no, made last year. Mm -hmm. It's not like that here. Whereas I think in the UK, you know, where I came from originally, that's everybody's dream. They all want to be on the front pages of the FT, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And for have everyone sort of seeing how great their business is yeah, yeah, and yeah. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's the opposite here. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I think that's the problem. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how many you know, how easy you make it, how cheap you make it, you know, how hard the regulators try. And they do try really hard. There are lots of people trying really hard to make it work here. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter because of that cultural issue, I think. And is that something that's going to change or you're, you've just given up on that segment? <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't given up on it. I mean, we still, you know, do public capital markets deals as yeah. and when they come along. But mm -hmm. we tend to do them in conjunction with other... Um, you know, brokerage firms, investment banking firms and that kind of thing. And for them, 
they have it as part of their daily business because they're trading every day, they're writing research and that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we tend to team up and do it via collaboration when we yeah. do those kind of deals. The majority of what we do these days is private capital markets, right? Private equity, DFI investments, yeah. banks, local and international banks, credit funds, mezzanine funds, etc. Yeah. 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 And how do, well, let's start with, with Babbage Capital. How did you find target companies or how did you, pitch yourself to the market so that they would come to you and you could help them then raise. Um, what was your what was your angle? Yeah, so basically once I'd realized that they weren't all just going to come flooding through my door <laughs> because I was fresh in from yeah. London, mm-hmm. it was in a way the hardest route. What I had to do was take on deals that, that others hadn't really been able to close yeah. and get them closed. They were the only ones that people were prepared you know, to give me a shot if you, if you could do the hardest work, then I guess, you know, you're worth the... The price, right? Well, it's just, you know, the easy deals. The the way it kind of works, I think, in our industry is the easier deals go to the more established players, right? And so it's a barrier to entry once you get there, if, yeah. you, if you manage to build your business up to that level. Yeah. But to begin with, you've got to scrap for the stuff that the bigger firms don't want. And so, so that was the harder deals, and somehow I managed to get some yeah. of those closed. I'm not going to comment on, on the difficulties in, in getting deal, deals in this market. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. So then um, you decided to team up with INM. What, what, yeah. what was that decision? Why that decision? Why INM particularly? Yeah, so that was a big step for us mm-hmm. as Burbage Capital. Um, I mean, I think one of my other misconceptions was, you know, in London or. Um, Europe or New York quite often I think if companies want to raise capital they'll go straight to the city you know or or straight to Wall Street to the investment banks yeah whereas here what I was finding was companies are more likely to start at the bank actually yeah yeah. at the traditional Mm -hmm. commercial Mm -hmm. bank Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know it made sense for me for us to be part of a banking group for that reason and have direct Um, access um, to that clientele. Yeah, exa- exactly. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. origination purposes, yeah. mm-hmm. um, as well as to their existing clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so, funny enough, it wasn't INM who first gave me the idea. It was another bank. Okay. Who subsectionally have gone under actually. Oh no! It was a so good, it's a good, good thing, thing I didn't you team didn't up go. with them. Yeah. Yeah, but they said so the CEO of that bank walked mm-hmm. into my office and said, "Look, we should consider a collaboration for this reason." Yeah. And the penny kind of dropped for me. Um, but I thought if I'm doing this, I want to look at all the banks and I want to choose the best one that's out there. And INM was certainly the, with the best of the banks that didn't yet have advisory investment banking in a big way. Okay. Um, okay. And we had cross, you know, board members and really good sort of links, links in, into each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was relatively straightforward. It was we both considered it a really good um concept from from both perspectives so what is it that you'd learned from you know helping other target businesses get equity investment that you then used for your own investment when it came to INM? Oh <laughs> yeah good question I actually look at it the other way around mm-hmm. that I think it gives me a nice perspective to be able to give to my clients yeah you know when they're selling their business or they're bringing mm-hmm. on an institutional investor that not only have I done it for lots of businesses here but I've also done it myself yeah, 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 yeah. it's different you know when you're looking at the warranties and indemnities definitely and it's your own risk yeah yeah, yeah. you know it's all very different the yeah. valuation etc mm-hmm. it's a lot more emotional when it's mm-hmm. when it's yours mm-hmm. um so i sort of look at it from that perspective but your question was was the other way around i mean i think <laughs> i like to think i'd learned a bit of patience 
not much. Yeah. Um, you know, but a little bit. It takes a long whenever, time whenever to close deals. Whenever we've been on yeah, a yeah. transaction together, when we have been together, you've you've certainly been the most calm in the room. I thought you were going to say the most impatient. <laughs> no, I thought the most calm. <laughs> the most I think you know which deal I'm talking to. Uh, talking about. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's talk about the normal nine to five now. What did what does it look like? I know your your day starts around five. Yeah. Five thirty. Yeah. Finishes around yeah. seven p.m. with yeah. a glass of wine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what does your um, day look like? What does it your job entail for anyone who is thinking about going into um, corporate finance? That kind of advisory work. Yeah. Okay. Anyone who wants your job, Ed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll just tell them what they need yeah, to do. Yeah. Um, well, I think time wise, like you say, I normally get up at half five. I didn't really used to do that, but it, here it, I find the Nairobi market quite early, yeah, an early morning sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stuff starts early here, <clears throat> so like, it's quite nice to feel ahead of everybody or yeah. ahead of the curve. You know, if you get up early, then that's the case. By the time you're in the office, I mean, I then work out every morning, yeah. drop my boy to school, and then go to the office. But I'm still there by seven forty-five. And that's right. Is, that's quite early. Yeah, which is still earlier than, than most people, I think. Yeah. It just gives me time, you know. Um, I usually, When I'm in the gym, actually, I'm usually just kind of doing my emails from overnight and mapping out my day, you know, planning everything, making sure that I'm prepared for all of the meetings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then when you get there, it's more like a pleasure, really, you know, because you're, you're well prepared for it. Um, planning is key. Planning is key. Planning is absolutely mm-hmm. key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then I normally have... Too many meetings, really. Eight or nine a day, probably. Yeah. It's you know, it's rare to have a an open spot in the diary, probably like yours, I suspect. <laughs> um, but these days, I'm more overseeing teams. You know, my senior teams who are executing the deals anyway. So quite a lot of the stuff I'm, yeah. I'm either sort of listening in on or I've done my inputs before the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the best part of being the CEO? <laughs> uh, I guess. You know, I it's what I used to think was the worst part, the HR. Yeah. You know. That is difficult. I used to loathe it. Now I love it. Now it's <laughs> kind of what I come to work for, actually. And origination. Origination has yeah. always been my favorite. It probably still is, actually, you know. And dealing with the clients. The re- it's the relationship Ships, side yeah. of it, really. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's probably always the case for investment bankers and corporate lawyers as well yeah you've got to enjoy interacting with your clients because but, there know, is a lot of interaction so you do yeah. need to enjoy spending time with uh, people mm-hmm. but it's quite easy i think because they're all such interesting people right yeah. they're all people who are at the top of their game running interesting businesses quite often they've built them up themselves from scratch particularly yeah. here as well yeah. they're always really interesting people definitely i think from an origination perspective it's the people who have got into the top of their game having built something that is a, is amazing to me and being yeah. a startup myself yeah. or in a startup position i i understand now what it's like to, yeah. to run it's your tough. own business it's, tough. it's yeah. really tough but you can really relate to the people yeah correct um, um have you ever like rejected a potential you know target have you said no i can't work with this person and if so why yeah i mean probably not as many as i would have liked to <laughs> <laughs> particularly when i was building things up yeah. you know it's hard well, it's, you can't it, say no can it's you? hard it's harder yeah. to say mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. i mean i think now we're part of a <clears throat> A listed banking group. Yeah, I'm yeah, obliged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know the the AML KYC yeah. is um, is intense, 
Um, and rightly so. I mean, I don't have any issue with that. I feel like we're aligned on that, really. We're all trying to make sure we, yeah. we deal with people who we'd want to deal yeah. with. I think, but like we were saying, you know, and maybe it helps that I have this perspective of having been through it myself with my own business, yeah. that they really relate to me. And so I very rarely find myself in a shouting match or in a, in a tough I can't, conversation. I can't see you shouting, Ed. Yeah, it doesn't happen that much anyway, but so. thankfully I didn't get shouted at too much <laughs> these days as well. Um, <laughs> if you were advising a, a potential target company um, about how to be investor ready or what attracts uh, potential investors into their business, um, whether it be a small private equity fund or you know DFI at the larger end, uh, what would you give them as the number one piece of advice to become investor ready in um, their business? Um, I think it comes back to planning again, you know, like you were saying, it probably is, you know, one of, if not the most important thing for running a business, um, but also for preparing your business yeah. for that, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. I think, um, what quite often happens is that investors are interested and then, you know, they meet the business and it's evidently the records are not in good shape. The records, I always say the records, the um, just your books, are they in order? I think it's, it's something that, you know, can really differentiate two businesses from another. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the due yeah. diligence is easier. Yeah, and you don't get caught out along the way. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen deals fall over, quite often in countries outside of Kenya, actually. Yeah. A lot of the Kenyan businesses are pretty pretty well organized. I mean, it just depends. You know, a lot of the work we take on these days is for mid and large cap firms. Yeah. So obviously, they have a pretty good finance function, CFO, um, <clears throat> legal documents are in okay order yeah. and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I think the, the preparation is really important. Um, I, you know, I think the reality of it is as well as it's, it's, it's hard to raise capital um, here, you know. And so until recently, anyway, the business needed to be quite well developed. Yeah. You know, to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest, if you want to raise money, um from banks, from DFIs, from PE firms, you can't, generally, you need a track record, you know, profitability, history, et cetera, et cetera, except for certain sectors. You need to be a reasonably well-established business. So it's really more in that case about being aligned with an investor. You know, I think you have to be quite open-minded mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and have a good temperament you know i don't think you can't think that you're just going to dictate to investors you have to understand that if they're going to come and be invested in your business they're taking a big risk as well on you and your yeah. business too and they have underlying investors who they're responsible to and so i think you, you know you need to be open-minded about the fact that you probably need to give them a board seat um you know that there'll be board committees that come in there'll be reporting shareholder reporting that needs to happen yeah maybe you need to step up your audit um firm those sorts of things and you need to be somewhat <clears throat> realistic on valuation yeah, you know? yeah i think mm-hmm. a lot of people i see this less these days i think actually the, the kenyan market is much better developed and more realistic on valuation but 10 years ago when i was setting up you know somebody would have had their sort of their cousin who did a who'd done a few months of accounting, <laughs> right? Tell yeah. them, oh, your business is probably worth like thirty times EBITDA yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once they got that number in their head, 
people get quite fixated. And it's really it, yeah. hard to pull them away mm -hmm, from that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you go out to the market with a deal and you have unrealistic, unrealistic expectations, it's going to be disastrous for everybody. Yeah. Everybody will lose their reputation and you'll be back to square one. You'll lose lots of money, basically. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of about maturity of approach, if I can put it that way. I mean, that, yeah. uh, that's very good yeah. advice, I think. Um, Let's let's talk about valuations and you know looking into the Kenyan market itself. Are you still seeing deals being done? And is Kenya the main hub for East Africa deal making wise? Are people looking yeah. at Rwanda more? DRC is is coming up as well. Um, and also let's talk about valuations because people do still complain about high valuations and unrealistic expectations. Are you not seeing that anymore? Are you seeing that people are becoming more realistic? Quite a lot of questions there in one go. Yeah, I have to, let's it's going to be a good test for my brain to see <laughs> how, how you, I get on with that. Are you awake? Yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk about valuations first because you, you touched on that. Okay, fine. We'll do it in reverse we'll order. In reverse yeah. order yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I, I find generally it's a lot more realistic actually these yeah. days. I mean, there's two things going on at the moment. Um, you know, I was saying before that it was really well-established companies yeah. with track record who can raise capital more easily. But now you've got the VC that's a huge thing really part, taking yeah. off in east africa yeah. and that's totally different yes actually. completely different yeah and valuate mm -hmm. those valuations that reminded me of that because valuations there are very different mm -hmm. and it's in a way it's not helpful actually <clears throat> because it's taken 10 years to get people's expectations reasonable yeah. for if let's call it mid-cap deals yeah, 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 yeah. mid and large cap mm -hmm, deals mm -hmm. now in the old days you know we'd be sitting in a room and we'd we're on the sell side you know so we're representing clients and we'll put together a process, we'll build an IM, the model, and we'll introduce them to, let's say, six or seven of the most likely investors. Yeah. And then it's kind of a case of, you know, put your best offer forward. Yeah. And that's how we get the best value for yeah. clients. Mm -hmm. And in the old days, we were sitting there and watching them put these really high, like, you know, two high offers, yeah. much higher than fair value yeah. forward. Yeah. But we'd done our job for our clients, so that was sort of that. But now... I think everyone came under a lot of pressure from their underlying investors not to overpay. Yeah. And so now I rarely see that happen. I think most institutional investors will dig in their heels at or around fair value. Yeah, yeah. And everyone is kind of okay with that. Yeah. We try to advise our clients what fair value is as well. Yeah. So it sort of gets done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then VC has come in and absolutely blown things and away. And the parameters right? been, are completely different. They're not even... Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. They're mm -hmm. only looking for, you know, for, for something like one in 10 to work. Correct. I'm not an expert on that sector. We're sort of starting to do more and more in mm it. Um, but I'm no means in, an expert in it yet. But as I understand it, that's about right. I still don't think that should three, feed through to valuation, logically. Um, but anyway, it seems like they're, that's they're quite a major debate. They're, yet they're looking to raise at different properly. things because they're saying, "Is this is this business the idea? Is it is it um, you know solvent? And so, yeah. can I take the risk on whether or not in five years' time I'll make triple of what I invested in? Exactly. And, and it's yeah. not going to be on evaluation. There's nothing to value against. So it's going to be yeah. on, on intuition. And yeah, I I think that's true. And I mean, you know, if it works, you're going to make yeah. like a thousand times money Correct. or something. And so, to a certain extent, it's immaterial. Yeah. I still I still slightly upsets my <laughs> financial principles. Yeah. That, but. I get it. And I also buy into the argument that 
if a business is going to double in size next year, it's worth a lot more oh, yeah. <laughs> than if you value it on standard metrics for a business that's going to grow 10%. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, you know, more or less. Uh, but also, they've taken a big correction mm. in the last, you know, in the last three or four months. Yeah. And in- so interestingly, the VC investors that I talk to and some of the companies that are trying to take VC money are suddenly quite conscious. They're quite nervous of the fact that they might actually be asked to be nearly making a profit yeah, yeah. right mm-hmm. or that the multiple isn't going to be as totally astronomical as they thought it was mm-hmm. and that's fine so that's the market feeling its way Correcting around itself, towards yeah. a sort of equilibrium yeah, 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 yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. let's talk about then um the region is kenya still going to be you know where the deals are made are we looking at more at rwanda drc um uganda tanzania etc yeah, so we actually put out a publication every month on Oh, great. Deals. I don't get it. Ed. Oh, really? No. Sorry. I also don't get invited to your events, but anyway. That's <laughs> <laughs> Need to speak to the marketing yeah, team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we track basically the corporate deals in East Africa. Okay. We've done it for about seven years. You maybe, must have got it at your old maybe place, Maybe at my surely. old place, yeah. yeah. So maybe we, we should, um, get it, we should um, put a link um, for everyone here. Oh, yeah, sure. Please yeah. do, yeah. Um, so we track the corporate deals. So actually, I have a reasonably informed answer yeah. to your question. I mean, it's one of the reasons we do it is so that we're well plugged into what's happening. Yeah. It helps to shape our strategy, but it's also a good marketing tool for us. But anyway, basically what happens is um, at the moment, about 80% of the deals are in Kenya. Oh, wow. Okay. A lot. That's a lot. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the, um, maybe 12% in Uganda. Wow. And the rest are really a trickle for Rwanda, Tanzania, Ethiopia. Um, I think that's sort of changed. Don't forget it's proportional, Mm -hmm. right? That's Mm -hmm. a percentage. So as the number of deals increases, that means that more deals are still happening in those other countries. But it's about scale, really. I mean, you know, Kenya has that, the Kenyan economy has that scale. Mm -hmm. And quite often, I suppose, they're actually regional deals, right? Somebody's buying into a Kenyan business, but but they're getting exposure through their regional subsidiaries Mm -hmm. to the region. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, well, you and I were at the conference in TZ, the Mm -hmm. VCA conference Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And it was exactly what I was hoping. You know, it was full of a lot of the senior representatives of DFIs, PE firms, et cetera, which yeah. kind of mirrors what we're seeing in the market, which yeah. is a lot of people want to get invested into TZ yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And that's a big economy relatively as well. Yeah. So I'd expect to see a big pickup. It might not happen that quickly, yeah. but over the next couple of years, I'd expect TZ to take up a bigger proportion I mean, of that. I that, mean, that's a good thing um, for yeah. us as well. Um, Why? Because of the fact that we're, well, first of all, we're in the region. Oh, so as in... All of us here. Of us. I thought you meant you and your firm, actually. <laughs> Not just me, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure region, it is, yeah. for sure it is, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I guess the other thing, the other question is then, um, in terms of the deals, then, are we looking at particular industries or are we just looking at, um, you know, the traditional... I think fintech is, is taking up a huge chunk of that, isn't it? If you have a fintech deal people will, will buy into it you yeah, can yeah. be you can be almost quite sure if it's yeah. a well-established business and is it That's, is it any fintech or is it agritech do you know that are there yeah are there those statistics as well so let me tackle your question from the from the top you sector wise um if you leave aside vc for a moment i'll come okay. back to it mm-hmm. but tra- traditional financing sources so banks dfis private equity firms mezzanine credit yeah um 
they're pretty open, really. There aren't that many sector specialist funds. Where they are sector specialists, it's probably in financial services and healthcare. Um, and I think agri, that, that people have played around loosely with the imp- the word impact, so that anything <laughs> could be potentially impact. Yeah, but and I to a certain extent, I I believe that. Yeah. You know, I think if if you're investing into a business that's creating growth, employment, paying more tax. Yeah. You know, I'm I, I I'm okay with that. Um, I know there are more specific definitions and I also like that it's better to be specific yeah. if you want to mm-hmm. achieve something mm-hmm. but anyway it's let's call it developmental yeah maybe mm-hmm. um, because a, a lot of the mid-large cap deals are direct investments by DFIs or PE firms and PE firms themselves are majority financed by DFIs mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, and so so the sectors are sort of developmental sectors yeah but the reality is that covers so much you know financial services agri we already mentioned healthcare but also manufacturing fmcg um you know etc etc energy uh as long as it's renewable yeah energy um so and I guess that, really that might pick up because of the the uk kenya trade deal specifically so maybe more deals in that in that area in renewable energy, yeah, renewable energy. Uh, for sure yeah. for sure yeah um and um yeah so so i i always i mean in a way it's really nice for us because we can feel confident that we'd be able to close a deal in pretty much any sector we can find investments in pretty much any sector Mm -hmm. maybe the harder ones are mining oil and gas any sort of polluting industries (laughs) because of this developmental Mm -hmm. objective yeah yeah yeah. that doesn't really work Mm -hmm. um but, you know, generally most sectors. And then coming back to your tech point. So for VC, in my understanding, I'm not a total expert. So, so you know, hopefully I won't embarrass myself too much. But <laughs> I'm sure you would. my understanding is it's pretty closely intertwined with tech. Yes. Basically, they're mostly investing into tech or tech-enabled businesses. So that's not just IT or fintech. It's also health tech, ed tech. Um, you know, agri, Tech et enabled, I think, is a key word in that. Exactly. Anything that's tech enabled, exactly. VC is very close to, yeah. 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 So it's still, um, uh, you know, in a way, broadly covers most of the sectors, but mm-hmm. it has to have that tech enabled thing. And so in some ways, you feel a bit sorry, actually, for somebody who's setting up a traditional business. Yeah. No, that's not tech enabled. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, like a manufacturing business, for example, which is really essential um but it's harder for them to access earlier stage capital Correct. they have to probably finance it themselves for a while until they can get up into that sort of mainstream capital i mean which, yeah. which a lot of people or maybe can't, through can't banks do, if they have through banks perhaps yeah. but even then um the interest rate is you know prohibitive for them um okay i think we've covered a lot of ground what are you looking 2023 is coming on the horizon what are you looking at in 2023 that excites you um in terms of the the PE industry? I think for us, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm plugging us. I just want to answer no, your, I mean, your question your honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, we've happily done quite a lot of PE exits now. Mm-hmm. Um, two in the last five weeks, actually. Wow, okay. And mm-hmm. now, so I think in, we're... In we're, Kenya? Uh, one in Kenya, one in Ethiopia. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
One's been announced, one hasn't. Okay. Um, but it should be announced in the next couple of weeks. And so that's been a big strategy of mine, actually, for a long time, is to position ourselves to be the leader for, for exits. Because oh, wow. that's one of the okay. biggest issues for the And are you funds, tracking, yeah? like, every entry and then yes, exit? I mean, exactly, that, that's yeah. smart. Yeah, we've done it that's in quite really a systematic yeah. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and been close with the PE firms, you know, we work with them a lot Great. for a long time now okay. and the DFIs. So, so I'm really excited about that. I think that strategy is really starting to unfold for us that, you know, if a, if a decent PE firm is doing an exit, there's a pretty good chance they're going to ask us at the very least to pitch for it. I mean, that's really good. And yeah. So, okay. <clears throat> so I'm really excited about that. It's lovely when you see a strategy working. It's yeah. about as satisfying Did you identify gets, that you know? very early as a strategy? Then? Yes. Well, I don't know what you mean very early. Like, but did you know, you know that that was going to be part of your... Because I guess... Only Feels when like you've it's done been a it, yeah. Coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only when you've done it a few times do you know that that's something that you know possibly it's an angle. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, we did a big publication a couple of years ago on it on private equity exits okay. actually, and mm-hmm. we tracked, like you said, exactly that research because you can see the number of investments that are made. That's, yeah. You know, you can get that data, and then we all know roughly what the, the time life is. Cycle you know, is, they're supposed yeah. to be in there for five years, then start exiting Correct. and have it wound up yeah. in ten. So you can work out I mean, is, which one yeah. should be coming when. Yeah. And there was a big lag, and so and then we thought it, I thought it was all going to take off about two or three years ago, and then we had COVID. Yeah. And actually, what happened was I think quite a few of the investors got approval from their LPs and underlying investors to wait. To wait is a bad time to exit. Correct. Yeah. So you had to wait another two years for the strategy. Mm to come good so that's why this year and into next year it's felt like a good year for that wow anyway that's a bit boring because that's just no i mean that that is really cool because even from a from an advisory perspective you can yeah that's true that's true what can i do yeah can i position myself which is yeah which is excellent yeah exactly um is covid forgotten now are we not talking about (laughs) it is it is it something in the past um do we even need to think about it in 2023 now um I think in some businesses you can still see it in the numbers. Okay. Um, in Kenya, in some ways, we were relatively lucky. That's probably a terrible way to describe it. There's, there was no luck involved. Um, you know, it was a horrible, tragic time. Yeah. But, but there I, was but something. But I think, you know, compared to other countries, yeah. Yeah. even in, in um, East Africa, like <laughs> Uganda, where mm. we do a lot of deals, they had much stricter lockdowns. So that's what I mean by, by that comment. Um, which hit business much harder. Yeah. And so you can still see that in the numbers. The numbers are still you know, starting to recover. Yeah. Whereas most Kenyan businesses that we see, they, they manage to find a way to get through it. Yeah. You know, with certain exceptions like hospitality, air travel, yeah. you know, where it's just a total disaster and there's nothing they could really have done. Are but those for, recoverable or not? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, tourism airline, hospitality yeah, is coming back up, in a right? big way. It's yeah, really yeah. exciting, mm-hmm, actually. Mm-hmm. For Kenya and East Africa, another one for TZ, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe coming back to your predictions, I think we'll see a lot more hospitality deals next okay, year. Okay, cool. Um, I think, and we don't have an election to worry about. Um, I think what, what on the negative side, I think, you know, with all of this global inflation and uh, recession. Yeah. We haven't seen so much of that flowing through here yet. Yeah. We'll see whether there's a big impact. I mean, I fear there will be at the sort of, unfortunately, at the poor old everyday person level. Yeah. Somehow in this place, they always seem to bear, bear, bear the worst brunt of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but I think, but then, you know, hopefully all of our developmental and impact um, partners, that's, that's what they're looking to, to help with. 
Um, I think at a business level, we're also sort of, we're fortunate in a way that, that it is developmental capital. And so if it's purely commercial and you're expecting recession Returns, inflation, yeah. you just pull out tomorrow, yeah, correct. right? Whereas yeah. developmental, they don't do that. Yeah, it's much more yeah. sticky mm. than that. So mm. I think deals will continue to be done. And then also we have this massive demographic um, support yeah. in Africa, right? Yeah. With the, whatever it is, we'll have half the world's population here in 2100. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that means international businesses can't not be here yeah yeah right mm-hmm. and so you know one or two years economic blip is nothing really in, as part of the bigger picture correct so okay. i think we've also noticed in our publications that m a is starting to come back okay and pick up um and so you know for that reason i think we'll probably see more m a as well all right and interestingly maybe more real estate deals really? which we haven't seen much of for the last four yeah. years we're also seeing a pickup in uh, fundraising for real estate funds wow. into Africa. So okay. I feel like it's a good year. That felt I mean, that, like quite that, a positive summary that's a, to That's me. a lot of positive. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Ed. And really, thank you so much for being here. I think it's been really insightful. Yeah. Um, and you've talked about Thanks. a lot of things that a lot of people uh, will understand and know about already, but in a different context. So thank you so much for spending the time with us. We thank just you. have um, quick fire round questions just to get to know you a bit better. Pizza toppings. <laughs> <laughs> what about them? favorite pizza toppings pepperoni chili and avocado together yeah that's that a quite a weird, weird one, one. <laughs> cocktail no cocktail wine maybe martini no, i love oh, martini. i love martini chicken yeah. not stead <laughs> <laughs> i quite like either actually yeah. okay okay wine what's my favorite wine mm-hmm. french wine uh, Bordeaux. Can I give a plug to somebody? Of course. Yeah, so... Is someone here? Yeah, yeah. Of course, of Le course. Decanter, run by my friend Julie Smith. Oh, good. At, we'll um, put that ABC. in the... We'll put it in the... Oh, the, the shop, right? Yeah, they have oh, amazing okay. French wine. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right, yeah. great. I'll, yeah. I'll look into that. Yeah. Um, favourite holiday destination? Khalifi. Okay. Yeah. Um, favourite one of your children? No way. <laughs> That doesn't exist. That's a trick question. Whoever asked that didn't have kids. That's a trick question. <laughs> I'm just joking. Thank you so much, Ed, for being here and spending time with us. And it's been a great, great interview. And thank, thank you for you. making the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Jim. All right. See you guys next month. Bye. <laughs>